Hey everybody, it's Imani. Thank you guys for tuning in for another week of Imani Talks Astrology, name still under construction. Um, I'm going to keep the intro a little short uh, because... I recorded a little longer <laughs> than I expected to. Um, either way, I hope you guys really enjoy um, this episode. In a way, I, you know, I kind of had my um, reservations about publishing it because it is equally about astrology as it is also is about kind of my philosophy in terms of um, the way that we can use astrology as a tool and the way that it is reflective of so many other tools and ways that we explain and look at the world. Um, and so in a way, it kind of is kind of theoretical, scientific nerdy philosophy, astrology, ee, all at the same time. Um, and so bear with me, I promise it all has value. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about kind of broadening, you know, our mindsets and the ways that we can look at the world and kind of understand it again there are so many different ways that people have tried to explain literally the exact same thing which is just living and maybe to a certain extent it doesn't need to be explained but it is really great to have a blueprint right in a way to kind of something to go back to to let us know that we're not insane and that the things that are happening to us are real (laughs) and that there are other people in this world who can relate to those things as well Um, So again, thank you so much for the support and the listens. I really do appreciate it. Definitely, again, follow me, Instagram, Twitter, you, woman, you. Uh, If you have questions, feel free to DM me because I am a friendly, very friendly person. At least I think I am. Um, Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I hope you enjoy. everyone um back again and so as i will probably mention in the intro after i I record it um this will not necessarily be about like a specific transit that's coming up i know so sad um or even be completely related to astrology but it will be and hopefully by the end of this you'll kind of understand why um this episode was definitely inspired by something I was introduced to by the amazing (laughs) Amber Khan um in her Scorpio video back in January um the the video if you want to go back and and watch it to kind of see what where I'm, I'm coming from uh is called the fractal wheel of fortune I believe and so at the beginning she's talking a bit about fractals and so you know when I'm listening to someone um especially someone who is clearly just like extremely intelligent and learned um it's always great to go and look at the sources that that person looks at um to really kind of understand the reasoning behind why they use that example to talk about whatever it is that they're talking about Um, And so, of course, at the beginning, she explains fractals. And it wasn't until now that I was able to kind of look and investigate and really find out, you know, kind of one, have that understanding of what the fuck a fractal is, but also really understand how it deeply relates to what she was talking about Um, and how it deeply relates to my own personal philosophy when it comes to astrology. Um, I think that's definitely something that's really important to to have and to define for myself and for other people, because from there, you'll know what place I'm coming from when I am talking about the things that I talk about. Um, One thing that Amber mentioned in in the video, which I thought was really funny, um, was that science has became the new religion, uh, which is absolutely completely true when we think about the way that we describe um, the world and how we experience it as humans, which I'll also get into as I kind of have this conversation with you guys. It definitely is more so about science than it is about, you know, myths and and stories like we've seen so many times um, before. But at the end of the day, all of these things are exactly the same. 
Um, it was so wild um, what has kind of brought me back to this place a couple of weeks ago. No, not even a couple of weeks ago. I think at the beginning of July, um, I had went to a workshop at Calabash Tea House in, in D.C. Um, it was led by a really amazing healer, Derek Rodriguez. Um, and he was explaining numerology and he was explaining each individual number, right? And he was explaining it um, that each number in numerology and the shape that it forms literally describes exactly what the energy associated with the number is, which is really kind of wild when you when you break that down and look at that. Um, and that again goes back to this overall kind of conversation about fractals. And I promise I will take this from um, a scientific place to a more philosophical place. So why? Um, right now, uh, we are in the Aquarian age, right? And so, of course, everything is about science and technology and innovation um, as the way that we understand the world and the way that we experience it. And that also has a lot to do with the way that we, um, uh, as people who are kind of living during this time, especially um, millennials and um, everyone, of course, that's been born, I'd say around 2012, which is when we um, most people generally agree that the the age of Aquarius first began, you know, the end of the Mayan calendar. Um, that has been the way that we've been able to kind of understand our world. And it doesn't make it any better um, of a way than any other way that the world has been explained um, to us. It really is ultimately all the same, um, which is the most important kind of takeaway to have. Um, Aquarian age also rules astrology as well. So it makes sense that we have found kind of a resurgence of astrology and its popularity during this time because it fits into the way that we can explain and understand the world, right? Aquarian age being, you know, or just Aquarius, the sign period being very like space agey, the stars, the universe, technology kind of related, right? And so, of course, astrology would kind of fit into that boat. And so the important thing about fractals, so this is kind of funny because the video I was watching, um, it's by Keith McGregor, um, and it's called Fractal Thinking. It's one of those like TEDx talks. And he actually is a programmer for like artificial intelligence. And so the purpose of the his talk, which is equally fascinating and creepy because the idea of artificial intelligence scares the fuck out of me. I think we've all seen, um, what's it called? What is that movie? Uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. The the Terminator, yeah. <laughs> and then um, iRobot and all those other really just creepy ass movies. Her, you know, where we just see like robots and shit just becoming really, really too smart and just knowing way too much and it just being really, really strange. And then, you know, of course, in the, in the news, all the recent things about... Um, Sophia the Robot and other, like, the the moving sex dolls and all of that just, like, really weird shit that just is, we're just like, why would you make this? There have been a thousand examples of why, like, (laughs) we should not be doing this. But anyway, that's a tangent, I'm sorry. Um, He was talking about how to get the machines, this is so strange, to think like humans. And so he was breaking down the ways that humans think which ultimately is extremely important um, when we're talking about the way that the world exists and the way that we're able to make sense of it Um, he starts off by saying that seeing is thinking right so we are able to look into our environment and sometimes we're able to think from it but also in some cases thinking is seeing. What we think paints a picture of um, our reality or can kind of alter or change the way that we experience, you know, the world and what we see in front of us. And so kind of figuring out the way to get a machine to do that and in a way was able to explain how amazing um, our minds are um, and how powerful it is for us to do just some of the most simple 
kind of mundane and trivial things that we don't really think twice about, um, but the power that kind of goes into that. Um, honestly, our brain is like one of the most, is the most powerful computer on the earth. It is. Um, and that's why computers are trying, they, or even artificial intelligence, it is not trying to replicate something that has not already existed. It, it tries to or technology period, um, as we can see, is only trying to replicate things that already exist within humans, faculties that we already possess as people. Some of these things are very obvious in terms of like looking, touching, smelling, um, other things like clairvoyance, uh, facial recognition, predictability, all of these different things that we kind of try to make machines do, even the most strange or kind of magical kinds of things are all things and functions that we have within ourselves. Let me not veer too far off the topic. I do want to break this down. Um, and so two things that he um, describes, at, or Mr. McGregor describes as, why did I call him Mr.? Um, it's kind of superpowers that humans possess in, in the process of thinking and absorbing um, what we see is the process of novelty and abstraction. And so what are those two things? Um, so when the process of novelty gives the example of, you know, he, he shows a picture of an Easter egg in a bush. Right. So the idea is being able to look at something and determine the newness or the uniqueness. Right. You see the egg and you know that it's different from the rest of everything that's around it. You look at a picture and you can see there are two people wearing green shirts and there's a child and someone is in this, one of the examples is missing a hat. Right. So you're able to compare parts of the scene that you see um, to be able to collect different information about it. Right. Um, and on top of that, one of the other things that is involved in novelty is your expectations of things based on the things that you have previously seen. Right. You look at something and you try to kind of fill in the blanks and say, oh, I think I know what this is. And he had given an example. Um, it was three. It was four animals. They all look like they are cats. Right. But if you look closely, you'll see that the second one is actually an owl, right? But based on the different information that you perceive from the picture, the color of the fur, the texture of the fur, you think that it's all cats, right? But you, so based on that, you're like, oh, okay, I know that this will probably be this. And you look a little closer and you see that it's different, right? Um, and then the quality of abstraction. So being able to, as he says, dial in um, to the right level of detail, right? Kind of like a camera, um, how you have a camera and you have the lens and you turn it um, to change the perspective of the view to be able to focus on and see different things, right? This is a function that our eyes do um, when we're seeing things. Again, everything is replicated after processes in humans, right? That's why I really don't like taking pictures of anything because I don't think there is a better um, Thing to photograph something other than like the human eye you know what I mean like nothing will make anything look as nice as an eye can you know what I mean like even the nicest looking picture is like aesthetically pleasing as it is it's so much better to witness and view that thing for yourself right that's why it's cool to you know visit places that you see in pictures online and see it for yourself right it definitely kind of changes the level of um kind of extravagance or beauty that you see in it. Um, and so again, that fact that, that faculty of abstraction um, and being able to, again, zoom in um, to pick up on the finer details. He gives the example of a Van Gogh painting of the, I think it was um, Starry Night. Um, and then also being able to zoom out as well um, and be able to appreciate the small details within the whole keep that in mind. We're going to go back to that. Um, and then what he talks about and says that in combining these two faculties together, they are a part of what he calls fractal thinking or fractals. Um, again, returning back to what to Amber was saying. And so basically, what is a fractal? Fractals are copies of parts of the world or copying parts of the world into smaller pieces. Okay. Um, and so the two kind of main things in fractals, and you can 
go outside. You don't even have to go outside. You can look at your hand and see an example of fractals, right? If you look at how your skin is and you can see the same pattern um, being replicated over and over and over and over again in varying sizes all across your skin, all across your body. You can look at a tree um, from its root and you can see the way that the branches, the pattern of the branches going out you know, even to like the edges of the plants is all the same pattern, right? At varying different kinds of sizes. Um, and so the two things within fractals, fractals, of course, are that there's repeating patterns, right? Um, and then there also appears on different scales, right? Um, and that can be changed by your perspective, right? You get closer to a tree, you step farther back from it, right? You zoom into that picture with a camera, you zoom into whatever, you know, you see that it makes up very small parts of the same larger whole. And so not only can this be applied to our immediate environment and the things that we see, but it can also be applied to the way that we think about our world. Um, My approach to astrology is just as personal um, and about the individual as much as it is about the collective as well, um, which is what we learn in astrology. You know, the astrology is, you know, in astrology, the main kind of tool that we use is the natal chart, which is the wheel, right? And a circle, it has no ending, right? A circle is continuous. Um, the individual is connected to the collective. And that's the kind of perspective um, that I hold um, and see um, in in the way that I like to explain things to people so that not only are you understanding how something is affecting you, but understanding how even when it is affecting you, it is affecting the whole and the entire. Um, And so going back to the idea of a fractal, you know, being of varying sizes of something, that if we're able to apply that same logic to us in the way that we exist, that means every little part of everything that we do matters, right? So every word that you say, every thought that you think, everything that you do or do not do in some way is just a micro version of something macro that is occurring. Um, And this is an idea um, that I think we all need to kind of be aware of. And that's the kind of idea that most people hopefully have when it comes to spirituality is understanding that they're the individual and the collective are not separate they are one and the same they are just micro and macro versions of each other that being said everything that you do um in some way uh is helping to contribute to the immediate environment that we exist in right now um and so of course that's why in the last episode i was talking a lot about choosing you for everyone right the really big shift and the really big um thing that we have to do right now or that we've been called to do in this year and a half has been to be ourselves um because that's extreme what's extremely necessary oops sorry about that extremely necessary um, for the world to kind of reach the point that it needs to um, in terms of everyone being collectively happy and everyone being unified, right? In order to do that, everyone has to kind of play their individual part. Um, and the what we do or do not do um, in terms of the ways that we help ourselves and help kind of undo and work through some of our own personal issues um, is going to impact the way that the world continues to exist. So being complacent um, or turning a blind eye to the ills that people face um, is hurting people. Right. So this kind of idea and culture around using, you know, spirituality as some type of weird form of escapism from like the pain of of the physical world. It's understandable, but it's also bullshit as well. Right. It's hurting people. We all of these small pieces are a part of this larger whole. Right. And so making sure that you are doing individually what you need to do to make sure that we're all collectively able to thrive. Right. You can always, of course, go back to the the previous episode to kind of hear more about that. Um, And so at the end of the week, it was Saturday or 
or Sunday, um, 11th or 12th, um, we will have our final eclipse of this cycle. Um, and in that conversation that I had a couple of weeks ago, um, we was talking about, you know, this time is really about finally realizing com- and coming into yourself. Um, And it's something that we're all being called to do because it's been something that we've all been incredibly bad at for entirely too long. Um, When I was doing someone's um, astrology report, um, they were uh, Pluto and Scorpio. Of course, everyone born between, what was it? Like 80 something and like, it might even be longer than that. Between like 80 something and 94, 95 is a Pluto and Scorpio, right? It's a generational planet. So right, millennials um, are usually uh, Pluto and Scorpio as well as some millennials are Pluto and Sagittarius as well. Um, but I, I, in kind of interpreting what that meant, and of course there's like a thousand and one articles about what it means to be Pluto in Scorpio, <laughs> but you know, in, when I do my reports, I like to come to the conclusions myself um, based on things that I know about the people, um, especially, you know, again, what's happening on the, the, the world stage and how that kind of can paint a vivid picture of like what people in that generation are having to face. And so one thing that I talked about is the fact that many of us um, are really being called to undo and heal a lot of patterns and pain because remember Pluto works best in Scorpio right to heal a lot of pain that isn't necessarily ours um, but very is very much so connected to our family and our lineage um, our country um, and every any other kinds of you know intersections that we find ourselves being a part of um and having to really work through and expose a lot of really deep and dark and intense shit um i think i read maybe a couple years ago or maybe i think like a year ago that pluto and scorpio generation is very likely to experience the the dark night of the soul um at a very young age and so what is the dark night of the soul it's kind of this um point where you are faced the reality of how um how really fucked up um the world is um and they're kind of being a kind of sense of hopelessness and despair that is kind of felt um in seeing and realizing that there is so much work to kind of be done to make the world in a sense uh whole and safe and and secure and and you know full of love in the way that it should be so right so kind of like a stark awareness of how shitty the fucking world is i think definitely that's something that's very connected to what we as the pluto scorpio generation have kind of deal with when we see this kind of emergence of of kind of the of social justice um and um really being very kind of outspoken about the way that people are hurting um, and the the pain that people are being, um, that's being inflicted upon people, whether it's because of their national origin, because of their race, because of their gender, because of their sexuality, um, because of their age, you know what I mean? All of these different ways that people are being hurt um, and wronged um, and and experiencing hatred because of things that are out of their control because we unfortunately as people have led ourselves so far away from the idea of being collective again as I will say many times this has a lot to do with this westernized hyper individualism bullshit it has literally torn the fucking world apart and I think we're seeing that and experiencing it right now um and we are a generation that is like enough is a fucking enough like we're not going to continue to do this um and so of course people will find that they're dealing with some really dark shit and some really um 
deep shit when it comes to, you know, generational trauma and patterns and, and pain and hurt. In addition to, you know, this whole Leo North Node, South Node thing, we see all of these different planets that are retrograde right now. We even know that Uranus is about to go fucking retrograde. And I think tomorrow, tomorrow on Tuesday, um, you know what I mean? So like all of these really intense periods of time where we really have to review and reflect and we're being asked in a time not only to step into ourselves and do so fearlessly, but to step into it, making sure that we're not repeating lots of these really big, major, and painful mistakes that we have seen be repeated time after time after time, um, which is really intense and which is really a lot. And it can be very daunting. Um, I think you know, going back to what I was saying before, it it was in, in no way meant to be a kind of shaming thing. Um, but I think, you know, Amber's talked about this, lots of people have talked about this, but there being this whole kind of like love and light tribe um, of people who are so able to use <laughs> spirituality as a, in a, and their privilege in a way to kind of ignore the things that are happening in the world. And I think for lots of people, um, myself included at one point, especially when I first started this journey or, you know, that I'm going on right now, it was really easy to do that. Um, It was really easy to say that I don't want to turn on you know, I, I don't watch TV anymore. So like, I don't want to watch TV. I don't, I don't listen to the news. I do not subscribe to news channels at all. Um, it was very easy to say, well, I don't want to see black men and women and children getting shot and killed. Um, I don't want to see people, um, getting the police called on them for doing absolutely fucking nothing. I don't want to see pain, um, of people who look like me, um, being displayed in the 24-hour news cycle over and over and over and over again. It is painful and it is hurtful. And so to a certain extent, I did want to kind of, you know, tune out and ignore that. And in a way, you know, of course, the, the spiritual journey is one that is the path that you walk alone, 12th house, right? So a place of isolation. And I did find myself isolating myself from things that are real and things that are happening. You know what I mean? Um, But then I think, and and I'd say honestly, in the very recent, you know, very recently, um, maybe more towards the end of last year, I had to kind of snap back into reality and say, stepping back doesn't make it any less real. Um, Ooh, I'm like shaking right now. Um, But that doesn't make it not real. That doesn't make it not happen, right? So when, again, when you're ignoring and pretending that this thing doesn't exist, you're doing the world a a disservice. And so, you know, I've hung up, not completely, (laughs) because I still work for a nonprofit, but I've partially kind of hung up my social justice hat um, in that way, at least, because I've been able to determine what exactly my part is and what exactly it is that I need to do um, in order to contribute to the collective and to the whole. And I do really encourage everyone to really take a step back and determine what that is. I think so many so many times we get caught up or kind of scared or frozen because so much is happening in the world and we don't know what we can do. We don't think that our voice is loud enough. We don't think that what we're doing is enough. Um, We don't even know that we're doing the right thing, right? And so kind of figuring out what that is for you, it's different for everyone. Not everyone has to be an activist. Some people just need to be a mother. Some people just need to be a teacher. Some people might need to be a banker. Someone might need to be a politician. You know what I mean? That role and that that space that you're supposed to occupy looks very, very different for each person. And I really do encourage um, you to look into what that is, right? To look in at what you should do and where you should, where you can shine. Um, and so I will, I guess I'll talk a bit about that. Um, so this isn't technically the eclipse uh, episode, but I think it, I just will make it the eclipse episode because this has to do with this, right? So it's a new moon in Leo, right? So this is a continuation of an eclipse that happened back in full moon. Aquarius was a, no, January. So the end of January. Woo. So again, same story. We're right back there. Um, so this is part two. Um, this one is definitely a little 
as I had said before, a little more gentle um, because it's really great about... Um, sorry, I had cut off. I guess I was talking way too much. <laughs> but this one is a definitely a lot more gentle than the last um, because of the aspects of the sky. It's just a lot nicer. Um, Uranus is retrograde so it's not really initiating any type of new chaos into our lives but it is making you know us kind of reflect on a couple of things that we've already done um but it's gentle in terms of the fact that of course new moons are about bringing in and new cycles and beginnings and so we're really giving an opportunity to really plan um and and write out exactly what it is that we would like um, it to look like for us to step into ourselves. Um, and so what are the indicators in your chart that can kind of give you the, the picture of that, right? Um, so you should, of course, look at the Leo house in your chart. Um, for me, it is my, my midheaven and also the, the 10th house is, is Leo. So looking at that, um, and that will kind of give you a perspective of where you shine, right? Leo house, where you shine, um, where your kind of unique contribution to everyone is and can be found. Um, if that house, and then also looking and seeing what planets are in there as well, because those will also kind of contribute to that as well. The next step, of course, is looking at the planet that rules um, yes, that rules Leo. And so that is going to be the sun. So where is the sun in your chart? This shows you where light is brought um, to your natal chart and where you bring light to the world as well. Um, and so that, of course, the sign that it is will kind of paint a really nice picture of um, of what your kind of individual role or purpose that you're kind of meant to grow into um, and what you can aspire to become is supposed to be. Um, and you can also look at the aspects to relate, the aspects to it as well. Um, again, I'll continue to give the example of my own chart. So well, I use, just as a, a heads up, I use the whole sign system. Um, you can use whatever house system you would like to on your chart. It is a matter of preference. I prefer the whole sign, even though in Placidus, I'm sorry if this goes over your head. Um, <laughs> my son is in my fifth house, which is a really awesome place to have um, your son, but I have determined that that's just not very accurate at all for me, um, given what I do. Um, and so I have my son in my sixth house. Um, and so, of course, my son is Aries. And so I only have one aspect to my son, and it is Sun Trine Pluto, which is really dope. So that shows me right away kind of related to that conversation that we just had, you know, a couple minutes ago about Pluto and Scorpio. Um, we have a lots of what I have to do and, and learn has a lot to do with um, undoing uh, some of the the harmful um, patterns and power dynamics that have gotten in the way of not only my personal growth, um, but also the growth of the world collectively, um, and also spiritual growth as well. So that is the point in which I need to help us transform and be reborn. Um, and so because I only have one aspect, I'm like, okay, cool. Like I need to look a little further. So what should I do next? So now what you should look at, uh, is look at the planet that rules, um, the, the house that your son is in. So I have an Aries sun. So that means my sixth house is ruled by Mars. So I should look at where Mars is in my chart. Now, lucky me, Mars is in my fifth house. And I also have a, a stelium there too. And so it shows me that a lot of what I do or how I will kind of work through this mission or work through this goal is through creativity, um, through the things that I give birth to, whether that be actual children um, or kind of creative projects that that I choose to to do or or work through. Um, 
in addition to, you know, I have Mars there as well as Mercury is there too. What else is there? Saturn too. So there's kind of a, you know, again, painting that, that picture of all the different kind of the players or kind of tools necessary um, in order for me to kind of fulfill this role that I have to. Um, and so I think I will talk a bit about the hero's journey um, and in how, or maybe I won't. I will, but I'm going to take a break um, before I do that. Um, and so again, that kind of relates to the idea of, of um, fractals and smaller parts in the way that we um, are able to see the world, right? It's not just about the way that we see and experience, you know, physical things like trees or the ocean or skin, but also the way that we see ideas and concepts and theory and philosophy. Um, And this was definitely a really, really great example of that Um, when it was talking about, you know, each smaller piece looks like the smaller um, that you know, you know, in a, in a fractal, you know, each small piece looking like a, (laughs) looking like the same piece again and again, you look at it and you zoom in and you continue to see that same image being replicated over and over and over again. And also in the way that, again, he was talking about abstraction, not even abstraction, the novelty, um, and that our expectations of how we, view things are based on not only things that, um, not what we see in front of us directly, but also based on um, things that we have previously seen as well. So when we think about that in the way that ideas exist, um, the idea of the hero's journey, um, as Carl Jung talks about, and as Joseph Campbell talks about, he calls it, the his essay series is called The Hero of a Thousand Faces. Right. So looking and saying, I have seen this face before. I have seen this story before. This story is not new. You know what I mean? Like knowing that this thing exists in many different ways, that looking further and deeper um, into the small parts um, that make up this whole kind of story um, and journey related to a hero and the the quest that they take. All of those parts can be seen and found throughout cultures Um, throughout time um, and explained in a variety of different ways, whether it is through philosophy, whether it is through mythology, whether it is through science, or whether it is through history. Um, All of these things are just smaller um, or slightly differing and similar versions of the same thing. And that is all that the idea of, of fractals really is, right? So again, this isn't just about seeing things. It's just, it's also about the the ideas and concepts and to me not to like nerd out on anybody but that is absolutely fucking fascinating to me um that we can look and really understand and see that everything again is ultimately connected even things that we try so hard to (laughs) separate from one another or kind of claim are not related at all um do relate one thing that uh I will say Creators of the, you know, some of the most uh, memorable or kind of most popular religious texts, of course, the Bible, the Quran, the Torah, one thing that the writers of it understood um, or the creator who helped to put together the, or channel the message um, to humans understood is the fact that all facets of life are interconnected. Um, one really amazing and interesting thing that I learned um, is that the idea of there being secularism, um, which I think to a certain extent, extent uh, is why our world has become the the way that it has. And, and mind you, I'm not someone who I don't even at this point, I don't have a, a religious association. Um, but in the fact that we have taken and completely removed any ounce of uh, moral code, or like a real actual moral code, um, or spirituality, um, from our daily lives is the way is one of the reasons why we see the world in such a place of of 
of pain right now. It's why we see that the earth is basically being fucking destroyed it's the reason why we see humans trying to fucking destroy each other um because we have all veered and strayed so far away from um the idea of oneness um and us all being a reflection of something that is so much greater than ourselves than our individual selves and because it's so much greater than our individual selves we can't do anything but work through and work towards an understanding of this thing together um and so because that's not there um that's why the world is in fucking chaos <laughs> right now but what's amazing right now is that there are so many people who are waking the fuck up um and honestly that's what this entire eclipse um season has kind of really been um about is telling people like hey yo like do you see what's happening in the world right now are you gonna remember why we brought your ass down here in the fucking first place so you can do something about it are you gonna keep sitting around getting caught up in this really dumb uh 3d world bullshit or are you gonna try to you know rise above and transcend that shit so that you can actually help fix and make the the 3d world a better place like what the fuck are you gonna do um and so one thing me and these fucking tangents man i can't help it my my mind is everywhere and 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 nowhere at the same time mercury and pisces um the the thing that they they understood again is that all facets of life are connected there is no separation between political social and emotional or you know all of those different kinds of ways that we kind of categorize things right all of those are you know when people talk about solutions that encompass all of those things they call them holistic solutions right because they're not fragmented they're seeing and understanding that all of those pieces are extremely interconnected to one another therefore there needs to be a single way that we look at um or act or approach life that allows us to be complete in all of those areas of life um by understanding the way that they connect with each other um and so the original way um that again our religious texts were are, were written were so that a country um or that a nation of people could kind of remain together right now granted of course <laughs> as i know someone is like well you know there's a couple or lots of kind of backwards shit in the in most or most religious texts and i absolutely agree um but it's the the of course the overall idea being that we are trying to keep us um keep people in a state of you know collective peace um and love with one another and in order to do that there are rules um that we must all abide by um or a certain kind of code or a way of life that we all kind of can ag- agree upon in order to make sure that everybody is good you know what I mean and of course within that there are ways that each person is an individual or there are ways that you know things are not always about what everyone wants but generally speaking most things um that we do or do not do or are on behalf of other people and to ensure that other people um other people's well-being is being looked after in addition to our own right that's a very cancerian kind of concept um but yes um so again i'm gonna take a break i think i said i was gonna talk about the hero's journey when i got back anyway um yes i'll be back all right so i'm back a day later (laughs) I hope you guys know it's literally like well I think it kind of made that pretty clear last time but like this is literally like days of like recording then like not recording sometimes like a week of recording and then not recording at all and then like deleting it and be like nah that's stupid and then like doing it all over again um and changing my mind like 7,000 times because that's what I'm really good for um just to kind of sum everything up um 
kind of going back, not completely talking about exactly what I was talking about before. I kind of briefly mentioned the eclipse. Um, And I think one really important thing to note, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying about everything really being about ultimately choices that you make, right? Everything that you do or do not do affecting the whole and how things turn out, right? So with eclipses, of course, there are lots of things that are very faded, right? And where there's opportunities for things to, you know, where things kind of are snatched from our lives or dramatically brought into them. But at the end of the day, we ultimately do have the choice to say no. We do have the choice to say no to stepping into who we are. We have the choice of being able to be too afraid to do that. I think that's something that we're all too familiar with doing sometimes, which is why we're brought back into these places where we have to go through the same exact thing over and over and over again. Um, And unfortunately, there will be people who still this time around, even though this time is really amazing, and I'm going to talk about that, um, there will still be people who choose not to walk in their path. You know, Um, everything that I've been dealing with eclipse wise is like I've said the exact same story that happened six months ago both eclipses were things that I have already extremely familiar with about myself and that I've seen and opportunities that I've been given where I'm like nah no no thank you and it's like okay word like let's do it again um and that energy that let's do it again um has something to do with a, a very particular transit that we're experiencing right now that started back in I believe December which is Saturn in Capricorn and so Saturn really serves as and I'm going to talk about this in terms of what is happening now and I'm also going to talk about it in terms of you and potential um, in terms of what you can do Um, and so Saturn in Capricorn Saturn being in the sign that it functions best in right in the sign that it rules Um, for the next three years, actually for the next six years, because it also rules Aquarius as well, is really giving us an opportunity collectively to kind of work in the energy that's needed. And so when we look at astrology, we can also look at the pairs um, and kind of important, um, meaningful pairs that different planets can form, right? We know the sun and the moon kind of belong together in a in a way. Um, we know that the, I'm very bad at this right now, Venus and Mars, you know what I mean, or belong with each other in a, in a sort of way, right? And the, them representing two kind of opposing things. Um, and so I have this really cool astrology workbook um, that is by, I want to get his first name correct, Mark Mann. M-A-N-N. It's actually very hard to come by. If you see it on Amazon, definitely snatch it up. Um, And he talks about the idea of meaningful pairs because we can look at the pairs um, that different planets form, um, especially when we look at, um, well, let's use the the two, the four most important signs right now um, to us, which is Cancer, which is ruled by the moon, um, Leo, which is ruled by the sun, and then the opposites of those two, which is Capricorn and Aquarius, right? And so this pairing between these two um, signs teaches us something extremely important, right? With, and I guess I'm going to kind of veer away from talking about it in terms of the transit and in terms of what it looks like in your birth chart. So what is your moon? And this is something that we talked about in cancer season. Why is it that it goes from cancer to the sun? Think about it again, it being a, um, each sign being a reaction to the other, the opposite sign or complementing sign kind of feeding some sort of information or knowledge and intel in the way that um, the other sign should kind of go about it, right? So we have the moon being opposed by Saturn. And so in, in this respect, uh, the moon being, of course, the way that we were nurtured, kind of the most familiar and most comfortable point that we're in. We're going to call it a, a comfort zone. Um, this is the way that your mother made you feel good, 
right? When you were sad and when you were upset, this is the way that your mother nurtured you to make you feel good again, to make you feel emotionally safe um, and secure, right? And what Saturn tells us, or the Saturnian approach to to parenting and instead of nurturing is a matter of providing structure and kind of strictness and discipline, right? Um, we have that relationship with with our parents right one of our parents is definitely a lot more strict than the other was for me my mom was like the authoritarian capricorn saturnian like parent and my dad was very much so he's a he's a taurus um was the um kind of nurturing lunar cancerian type um in terms of how they raised me, right? And, and honestly, I'd say when I got a little older, they both became very <laughs> Saturnian, right? And so kind of balancing out and finding out the way that you need to navigate the world, right? And so what Saturn tells the moon is you can't walk through life just being comfortable. You can't walk through life just being in a safe space. You can't walk through life just trying to appeal to and make your inner child feel safe and secure where is the challenge in that where and when are you able to step into yourself if you're constantly telling yourself or constantly showing yourself that it's okay to do things that just make you feel safe when are you going to break past that mold right and so what this looks like and i and i said it before you know lots of people will relate to their moon sign in a way that they may not relate to their sun sign. And, and there's a reason for that. Um, again, the moon being the kind of instinctual ingrained patterns of behavior within us because of the way that we were raised and kind of the way that, um, I don't want to say survival because that's a, a Mars kind of word, but in a way, you know, when you're doing things in order to make yourself feel safe and secure, it is about survival. It is about kind of protecting yourself, which is another one of the the cancer moon um, verbs, right? Which is to protect, um, making yourself feel safe. And that's not what the sun is about, right? The sun is about taking risks. The, the sun is about um, being unafraid and unapologetic about the way that you shine. Um, and of course, in order to do that, there is a need um, to step out of, again, what makes you feel comfortable. My dad has always been really, really big. He, again, Taurus is in there. And he has a Capricorn moon too, so this is really funny. Um, he always had talked about the, the 3Ds of determination dedication and discipline that is such a like <laughs> such a Capricorn thing to like say to your child right he's talked about he tells me he tells my brother like those are the three things that are important right and so what is discipline um it's really funny because when I was younger my dad I started to play the piano I wanted to play the piano um originally and then it became a thing that I was like yeah you know I can do this I'm pretty good at it um but I don't really want to do it anymore my dad's like, oh, well, like you have to do it. It's going to teach you discipline. I'm like, but I don't want to do it. And he would just look at me like, go play the piano. Like, what are you talking about? Um, and it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I actually was able to learn what the word discipline means, right? Discipline is about doing those things that you have to do, right? Regardless of whether you want to do them or not, right? As an adult, this is also a great thing that kind of flows into what I'm about to say. As an adult, you have to pay your bills. You have to. You have to register your car. You have to, what's some other things? You have to go to the doctor, right? You have to kind of do these very kind of mundane but annoying and necessary things to just exist in this space, to exist in the physical world. It's a part of the process. You have to follow the laws. You have to go to work. You know what I mean? Like you have to have a place to live. All of these things are very kind of important, whether or not, you know, you can't just, well, you could wake up and say, I don't want to fucking go to work today. This is fucking stupid. You could do that for a month. You could do that for a year, you know, but at the end of the day, there is going to be a consequence for you not doing that and that is what Saturn teaches us it teaches us that it's not just about feeling safe and secure and doing what makes you feel good it's about understanding the 
the nature of and the kind of limitations that are placed upon us just by physically existing in the structures and spaces that we do. That's why Saturn rules reality checks, right? Um, and so Saturn really teaches us that. And every seven years, um, so when you were 7, 14, 21, 28, yeah, 28, those are the kind of major milestones in kind of Saturn uh, decisions that you have to make, right? Of course, the first one being when Saturn squares your natal, the transiting Saturn squares your natal Saturn. And then the second one, when you're 14, when it opposes it, right? When, that's when you, I think you start high school. Um, and so at these moments, you're kind of forced to make very major and mature decisions. As we can see, you know, those ages are kind of milestones in the, the development of a child, right? Seventh grade is kind of like, being seven is like the beginning of elementary school, 14 being the beginning of high school, 21 being the beginning of um, young adulthood or being, you know, you're 21 at that age, you're kind of considered to be a complete adult. And at 28, we have this experience um, this that's known as the Saturn return, right? When Saturn returns to the place that it was in when you were born. Um, and so during that time is kind of like an astrological initiation into adulthood, where all of those kind of trials and major decisions that you've had to make um, or your refusal to address them or to not address them comes right back to haunt you, right? And so you're kind of stuck in this moment where you're really forced to adult <laughs> completely um, and do those things that you may not have wanted to do, right? And so what you'll find on the other side of that Saturn return is a the tools um, and the maturity necessary um, to be able to fulfill your sun sign mission in the way that you should, right? You're mature. You can use the faculties of your sun. You can shine in the way that you can because you have the grounding in the the steps and the discipline and the you know the the parameters in uh, which are kind of necessary in order for you to be yourself completely right that's when you're you're 30 something you know people talk about you know your 30s being your new 20s because there's a certain amount of security that you have in yourself and your ability to to move through life right by that time you kind of have not everything but you have a lot of things figured out right um and so that's the process um, that we're kind of being, that will be ultimately weaned towards astrologically in the, you know, however old you are in the next 10 years for me in the next, how old am I? Oh my gosh, six, in the next six years or so, right? I'll have my, whoo, Saturn return. <laughs> and so, you know, what we see right now while Saturn is in Capricorn is, again, a collective you know, kind of shift towards like, hey, like, maybe you want to try and do some of this work now. Of course, if you're already experiencing your Saturn return, that's very different. Um, but being that there is kind of this staunch awareness that we all collectively have of the limitations of our, of the structure that we exist in, like, look around, you see all of this talk about, um, you know, Wow, I, that thought really just disappeared from my mind. But when we're, you know, talking about, you know, economically how many people are struggling um, and when we're having all of this talk and conversation about people being unhappy in the work that they're doing, right? Um, but, you know, that being coupled with the fact that you still need to exist and survive in this world. And so many people, many millennials are kind of faced with this really difficult decision on whether you're going to continue to do this thing that's not making you happy anymore. Or are you going to make some type of sacrifice um, and kind of do all the the additional hard work and kind of grunt work necessary to get to the place that you would like to be? Um, right, or kind of being able to or having to kind of succumb to the way that world the world really is right now. And so I was talking to, you know, I was hanging out with my best friend this weekend, and we were talking about, she's a Capricorn, um, and I was talking about how I think it's a very difficult time to be a Capricorn, um, even to a certain extent to be a Cancer, um, because being a Capricorn is all about the structure, right? The role that a Capricorn plays is 
to be able to thrive or help to maintain the the structure or the institutions of the world. And we're at a time where all of that shit, especially in the United States, is kind of low-key just falling apart, right? We see that through our social justice movements that are happening. We see that through this idiot in the White House, right? We see that the world as we know it and the structure that exists and the kind of tradition um, and the old kind of ways of thinking and existing in this world are slowly kind of falling apart. And so it makes it very difficult for Capricorns to kind of find their their footing in that because everything is changing, right? And so you can be, and she is a Capricorn sun, Aquarius moon with an Aquarius stelium. So she is very you know, her nature is very understanding of both sides of Saturn. It is not only about maintaining the structure, but it's also about knowing when the structure needs to be altered um, and pu- and pushed forward to something new when it needs to be transformed and sometimes in some cases when it needs to be destroyed um, is the other side, right? Uh, it's two sides of the same coin. It is both conservative and progressive. It is both old and new that is what Saturn is, you know, uh, and so um, having to face that and having to understand that in this next three years and kind of have the reality of what the this existing structure is, and then the following three years after that, when it is in Aquarius, being able to kind of look through and see what can kind of be changed about it and what can be different and what can be new. And again, that part, that is the part that's kind of opposing um the north node in leo right now um and so it's really great and amazing that these two things are kind of happening at the same time it's not by coincidence at all it's definitely very intentional for us to be able to have an opportunity to again step into ourselves um through these eclipses that are happening and then be able to build the foundation in order to do it to do the actual work. Um, And so that's all what the next six months is about, or the next year, honestly, as we work from this coming, what is it? I still do not know what day this eclipse is on. It's at the end of the week. Just just know that. I'm like eclipsed out. (laughs) Uh, But for the next year. So of course, you know, with the moon, the moon works in... uh, The cycle for, you know, manifesting your intentions with the moon is about six months to a year right so you work your way all the way to with your new intentions you work with the new moon all the way until the opposing full moon right so the full moon in leo will be sometime in january or february i don't you could look at a calendar and see um it will be sometime then Um, And so after that time, you'll be able to say, okay, well, these are all the amazing things that I wanted to, you know, create in this case, you know, creating the blueprint for the way that you see yourself again, and just a kind of, you know, I'm not going to say make a vague outline, but like, you know, do you whatever you're kind of called to do. But I just will say this, that the universe has a very funny way of giving you the things that you want. And so if you kind of have a master plan in your mind about how it should look, if you're a Virgo moon like me, (laughs) where you have like very specific details of how you want everything to look for the next 10 years and anything that looks anything other than that is absolute garbage. No, I'm just joking. Um, You know, you you plan out and kind of set the intentions for what you want, what you coming into yourself should look like, right? Remember again, before the break, I told you guys kind of some like general things and places to look at in your chart um, that will kind of give you that information. Um, And then, you know, after that, at the the full moon point, it's a matter of kind of eliminating lots of the different things that are kind of getting in your way of doing that. And I think because of the, again, the that the fact that the nodes will be, I will talk about this every single episode, the fact that the nodes will be in Cancer and Capricorn, I feel like we're going to have to release a lot of, you know, Capricorn old um, 
kind of a lot of the kind of limitations and fears that we've placed around ourselves that have made it very difficult for us to let go of some of these parts of us or some of these things um and 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 again in a way understanding and knowing that like it's okay to leave your comfort zone but also kind of exploring and understanding and defining what that comfort zone really is for us um and where it can be a place to grow but also where it is a place that again limits us um so i'm going to stop right there uh if you are i know a couple people have have dm me if you're interested in receiving any of my services whether that be a reading um or a natal chart report um you can always feel free to follow me on twitter or instagram at you woman you and just shoot me a dm and i would happily be able to answer you with the my rates and all of that good stuff um i will be in new hampshire at the end of the month please do not ask me why (laughs) i don't know people like that's such a random place i'm like i know but like it's so cool so if you're in or near concord new hampshire and you would like an in-person reading the last week the beginning of the last week of um of august i will be there and that will be so awesome also if you're in the dc metro area if i'm in a great mood i might even go to baltimore um i would be happy to do an in-person reading for you then as well other than that thank you so much for tuning in i know this episode was a little long hope you don't mind you're probably listening anyway because you enjoy the amazing sound of my voice i'm joking i'm not joking anyway i will talk to you guys soon thank you so much for the support and thank you for listening